Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I am your host. Surprise! <laughs> and on today's episode, Miles and I go on a route scouting bikepacking adventure a little bit east of Phoenix, Arizona, and at the base of the Superstition Mountains. This is a route called the Queen's Ransom Route that was created by John Schilling. He submitted it as a potential route to be published on bikepacking.com. And so Miles and I threw together kind of a last minute bikepacking trip, very last minute. Uh, you'll hear about that in today's episode. Uh, but we went in very underprepared uh, with very little information. We had a great time, uh, but we were kind of there for two things. One, to uh, preview this route and see about potentially putting it up on bikepacking.com as a published route. And also, we just wanted to go ride bikes together and have a great time in the desert. And uh, we accomplished both things. So, you know, while we're recording today's episode, we didn't know at the time if it would be a published route until, you know, we wrote it and uh, we talked about it along the way. And it became evident that it was a very good route that John had put in a lot of work and yeah, just a very solid route. So there was no doubt um, as we kept going on the route that it would be published. So at the time of this recording, you can find this route published at bikepacking.com. Again, it's called the Queen's Ransom Route. We'll also link to it in the show notes and have it available up at bikesfordeath.com for you to check out. So today's episode is, is kind of what I would say some good information in, intermingled with uh, ramblings from Miles and I. So hopefully this episode will be um, entertaining and also informational if you're thinking about going out to potentially ride the Queen's Ransom route. Um, hopefully you'll get, be able to glean some information from today's episode. I will mention that this is one of the, you know, one of the few times, I think this is only the second time I've ever um, recorded a podcast while on a bikepacking trip. And I, it's still something I'm learning out how to do as we go and, and, um, think one thing I could have done better is is kind of narrate the story along the way. So it kind of jumps around a little bit. And, and part of that is due to, to the fact that towards the end of day three, Miles and I separated and we met back up at the end, uh, towards the end of day four. You'll hear about all that in today's episode. So yeah, Anyway, it was it was an absolutely fantastic trip. Great to see Miles, and it was cool to be a part of this project for bikepacking.com. I had nothing to do with it other than uh, being there, and uh, I took some pictures, and those are up on the on bikepacking.com. And so, you know, that's pretty cool. But uh, ultimately, I was just along for the ride, and it was fun to uh, be a part of the project, even kind of from the sidelines and and. Uh, you know, it's I, I love routes and I love developing routes and I love to see how other people do it. And it was fun for us, I think, to come in as a Canadian and a Texan to ride what a local created and, and be able to come and maybe provide some outside perspectives. And, um, you know, we both came from very different terrain and an elevation and uh, climate and, and everything. So yeah, it was interesting to see how two people from completely different areas tackled the same route. So 
that is today's episode. But before we get to it, let's take a moment to really give our appreciation to the people who made this episode possible. This was a 16-hour drive both ways to Arizona, plus some Airbnbs and uh, expenses that just come with traveling to do podcasts like this. So your support is greatly appreciated, and they really do help facilitate these types of episodes. So let's welcome our newest sustaining patrons, starting with Jessica Alexander, Chris Hodgkins, Andrew Jury, Dennis Feeney. Oh, Dennis, if you were my kid, I would have named you George. Uh, hopefully someone gets that reference. Um, James Collin, Mark Norford, Marty Johnson, Jorge Collado, Tim Colbrook, Scott Grossman, and David Goss. Sweet. Whole bunch of you. Really appreciate that. Your support helps facilitate more and better content. So if you would like to show your appreciation for the body of work over here at Bikes for Death and help us produce future episodes, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes for death. All right, everybody, let's welcome back Cameron Sanders from Wren Sports back to the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Cameron. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patrick. We both know that there's a slew of handlebars on the market, lots of different options, and y'all just introduced your Perseverance bar. What can you tell me about these bars and what niche in the market are they filling? You know, I, I drooled when I first got into biking over the Jones bars and uh, those sorts of bars. And, um, you know, I was really disappointed when I first got them. I know that they work great for some people and that's awesome. But that 45 degree back sweep on the Jones bars, you know, even though I wanted that accessory loop out front was just too much for my wrists. And then, you know, Ride Far comes out with something and there was the kitchen sink with its loop out front. There's a lot of weird, funky bars out there, but Every single one of them wasn't right for me in one way or another. So for 10 years, I've been riding funky bars or bars with time trial and aero bar setups or something similar to that. And in every case, I'm less wanting. So the Perseverance bar is basically that 10-year love-hate relationship with weird cockpit setups just addressing all of my concerns. So I'm hoping that the rest of the cycling adventure bikepacking world also finds that they're lacking and uh, need some of the same solutions. What that looks like for me is a handlebar that rides like my favorite handlebars and then a loop that is more versatile than just a, a, a loop of metal out front. The Perseverance bars have a handlebar with 16 degrees of back sweep 25 millimeters of rise and 780 millimeters of width. So the bars themselves are a hundred percent what I prefer to mountain bike with. The loop out front is way bigger with much more complicated angles than any other integrated kind of funky accessory aero bar hybrid out there. We'll link to a uh, bikepacking.com article about the handlebar. They're doing a long-term review on it right now. You'll find photos of it in there. And that flare in the front allows you to, A, sit more ergonomically in that loop. But B, if you have a bikepacking bag, like a front roll bag, the aero loop is going to help you secure that 
But then that bend in the nose is going to allow you to get your hands around the bars without shoving them between a bag. A lot of these accessory loop bars that are out there just have one loop with no flared angles to them. And if you run a bag with them, it basically means that you have no additional hand positions. It's use it to stabilize your bag or don't run a bag and have hand positions. And I always wanted to do both. So that's what we did with these bars. Yeah, man. We will definitely uh, link to that bikepacking.com article in the show notes. But if people want to buy a set of these bars, where can they find them? Yeah. So head over to uh, rinsports.com. Right now, the bars are in pre-order, but we'll be shipping them April. Right now, we have a special incentive to pre-order. If you head over to the website, you get 10% off and free bar wrap. Right on, buddy. Cameron, thanks for coming on the podcast. And everybody else, check the show notes for all that information. Thanks, Patrick. All right, everybody. Today we got Kate Gates from Mulberry Gap back on the podcast. Welcome, Kate. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me back. Oh, man. It's great to have you back. We've heard a lot about Mulberry Gap. And one thing we haven't talked about is a lot of the great bike packing that is basically right at your front door. There's a couple great routes that are already established. I thought today we could talk about the TNGA or the Trans North Georgia. Yeah, it is a really phenomenal route that in 2021 just had its 12th annual run. It's official grand start, which is generally the third weekend in August. And it starts at the border of South Carolina and runs across the northern part of Georgia and ends at the Alabama state line. So it's about 360 miles long at this point, uh, about 56,000 feet of climbing. And Mulberry Gap is located about a half a mile off course at mile 212. I was reading an article on bikepacking.com and uh, it's been dubbed the Mulberry Trap. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Racers kind of came up with that terminology a few years ago just because you're kind of out there in the dead of summer battling the a lot of moisture and humidity and some pretty high temperatures during the day and cooler temperatures at night when you're at elevation. We are in a pretty rural area of North Georgia, or a lot of the route at least traverses that. So there are opportunities for resupply, but you really have to kind of time everything just right to get to it. And there, there is a fair amount of water available on the course, especially in the summer, unless it's a super dry year. But you kind of come out of the woods and and lots of hard miles and a lot of climbing and show up at Mulberry Gap and there are tons of staff and volunteers ready to help you. We've got showers, laundry, um, hot food with options that are not, you know, prepackaged necessarily out of a convenience store and uh, taking a nap on a cot or renting a cabin, getting a campsite, anything like that. But it just gives people a chance to kind of reset, uh, chat with other racers that are out there, um, whether they're at the same mileage point as them, they've already dropped out or they've already finished and are back at Mulberry and kind of sharing stories and and telling folks what to expect coming forward. It just kind of provides a, a safety net for folks. And it's just a really cool atmosphere for them all to gather. And so because of all those conveniences and comforts of home, it can make it kind of hard to leave sometimes. So Mulberry Gap then turned into Mulberry Trap. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know what I'm thinking as you're talking is um, 
the Tour Divide has Brush Mountain Lodge mm-hmm. and, and Kirsten out there, yep. and TNGA has Mulberry Gap. Well, I mean, it, it sounds amazing. Everybody needs to go and stop in to Mulberry Gap, whether you're riding the TNGA on the race or, you know, even if people want to just go and stay there and have a great bikepacking route right out the front door, you can do an out and back. Where can people go to learn more about Mulberry Gap and maybe book in a reservation with you guys? Yeah, you can reach us um, at www.mulberrygap.com. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Kate. And listeners, check the show notes for more information about the TNGA and how to book your stay at Mulberry Gap. All right, everybody. That's it. Thank you again to all of our supporters and sponsors that make these episodes possible. And before we get to my bikepacking trip with Miles, let's have Miles take it away with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Check, 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 check. Okay. Yes. So a couple weeks ago, Miles sent me a text. He's like, hey, you want to go on a bike ride in Mexico? <laughs> But uh, we wound up landing in Arizona uh, in front of John Schilling's house, about to embark on a little bikepacking trip. So, uh, Miles, what are we going to do? We are going to put camping gear on our mountain bikes. We are going to ride a 230-ish mile route that John has planned called the Queen's Ransom Route. And um, we're going to take five days to do it, and it's going to be delightful. I can't wait. Mostly single track? Mostly single track. A lot of single track. We're going east of Phoenix into the Superstition Mountains, um, kind of like skirting along the bottom of them, as far as I understand. We know next to nothing about the route, Patrick and I. Um, So it's going to be great. Our plan is we're going very light, bringing very little food, and going to utilize resupply points along the way. And uh, we're going to see how it goes. But yeah, we don't know much. We're just going to go ride our bikes and figure it out as we go. Talk to you later. Peace out. Oh, and we're going to be recording and taking you along for the ride. The highs, the lows, and everything in between. By Patrick O'Miles. All right, we're about 20 miles in. 19 miles, I think, to be accurate. Stopped at Steak and Stone for some nice barbecue. Took a little bit to go. How you feel, Miles? I feel like I've had enough Steak and Stones to last me at least till tomorrow. And if anybody's interesting, Steak and Stone comes from the fact that they cook this, or you cook your own steak on a stone that's heated up to 500 degrees. So you bring it out to your table and you have to cook your own damn steak. It's kind of bullshit. We opted for the non-self-cooking steak option. We got some sandwiches and a sandwich to go. Yeah, because we didn't bring a stove or anything to cook with, uh, so we're going to be utilizing all the POIs on the route. So uh, what do we got next, Miles? 
got a little cruise to uh, the bike park in Mesa. Um, and then we're going to hop on our first section of single track trails. 30 miles to camp. Let's do it. It's just riding bikes. Okie dokie. Well, it's uh, 6.45 on day one, and we made it right at about 40 miles, something like 2,000-something feet of climbing, and uh, found a like a pavilion to sleep under tonight. It's quite nice. And uh, it's worth mentioning that the weather today was, like, perfect. 71, maybe a high 70, and... Right now it's like 56 degrees, and it looks like it's going to be an excellent night. Before we talk about today um, and how today went, we thought it would be a good idea to kind of give you all an overview of where Miles and I are both at kind of physically um, and where we're coming from. Because one thing that I've, I think we all know is that rating systems, when you see it online, are a little bit amb- ambiguous because we're all at different fitness levels and depending on the time of year, for example, this route in the summer would be a completely different route than when we're riding it. What are we mid December um, now? So, you know, I think it's worth putting in contact context, kind of the weather, what our personal levels of fitness are. And, and we'll talk a little bit about our gear setup and our bikes and, and what we brought on this trip just to give an overview a little little idea of what we're doing and maybe that'll work for some other people um miles why don't you start why don't you start with your uh what kind of shape are you in and where are you coming from so i've been kind of the last few months in powell river it's been super rainy so i haven't been riding my bike like long distance really at all so, like, my last, like, big long-distance trip was that uh, tree-to-sea route that I scouted on Vancouver Island. But since then, it's been super rainy. So, I've been doing, like, short day rides more than anything else. But to supplement that, I've started doing a little bit of running at a track near my house and also start going to the gym, doing some CrossFit, if you can believe it. And then I've also been going to yoga once a week, a hot yoga class. So, although I don't feel like I've been on my bike as much as normally I'm um yeah I feel overall like fitter to be honest maybe not my like endurance but overall I feel like just better over to you let's see well I've been doing yoga five times a week um started doing uh heat cold shock therapy I've been doing Wim Hof breathing techniques um just I've really put my heart and soul into training for this. None of that is true. <laughs> None of that is true. I am, uh, I'm coming from 200 feet sea level and really coming off an entire year of not riding as much as I would like to, as hate as much as I hate to admit that. I was able to do a decent amount of training leading up to this. I think what we had about two weeks, but when Miles kind of put the bug in my, I mean, it went from miles saying, Hey, do you want to do this to, uh, I don't, how long did it take us hours before you, I mean, within a matter of hours, uh, you know, miles is booking plane tickets to Arizona. So, um, two weeks ago I, I started, you know, training and loading up my bike with all the gear and riding it uh, loaded. But, you know, 
one of the challenges that I face coming from Texas is like, we don't have hills. We don't have elevation. We don't even have good single track that I could go and, you know, put in like tons and tons of miles. So my training and what I do, um, you know, 99% of my riding in Texas is just gravel roads and pretty flat at that. So I'm definitely coming into it with less overall fitness. And, and I feel like honestly coming into it, I've, I've felt concerned about, my ability to do it. So I guess we'll kind of see how I do and how we all fare on the thing. But yeah, I'm, I, yeah, we'll talk about how we did on day one and how we're feeling. Uh, but first let's, uh, just talk about our bikes real quick. I guess I'll do mine real quick. We're actually on pretty similar setups. We're both, uh, rocking what titanium, uh, frames. Oh, you're steel. Okay. Miles of steel. I'm titanium front suspension i recently put on curvy bars on mine with ergon grips and i'm liking that combo really comfortable and i'm carrying three liters of water actually well i'm carrying three liters i got two in a canteen on my down tube i have one liter in my frame and then i have an additional one liter platypus um that if we if we need it uh some extra water i have that as a as a backup a couple of pieces of gear that I bought actually specifically before this trip was the Rockgeist Fusion. It's their seat back. I guess it's their Mr. Fusion actually, but it's uh, their seat pack. And I have to say I'm absolutely in love with it because it, if you're not familiar with it, it has a frame and it is so it just keeps everything so solid. We were over all kinds of gnarly stuff today and nothing's moving around or anything like that. And I also picked up the Rockgeist Horton, the feed bag, which has been pretty sick. It's nice because I find that I'm always like jamming food into my frame bag and my there, like I'm always like ramming in, in, into places and having a dedicated place for the food, I'm actually quite liking it. And I thought I'd move around a lot more, but I'm, it's like all pretty, pretty tight in there. I'm running 2.6 inch Maxxis Recon tires. And uh, yeah, really happy with, with that choice. I would like some more gearing. I'm running 11 to uh, 46 with a 28 on, on front, which sounds great, but I was riding behind Miles and he's got a 32 with the Eagle, a 32 on front with Eagle on back. And man, he's soft pedal and I'm like smashing the pedal. So I'm like, God dang it. I got to get Eagle now. Uh, yeah, I didn't, we packed very, very light. So our strategy for this ride, um, other than kind of skimping on water, which I won't personally do, we didn't bring a stove. We didn't, uh, we don't plan on cooking any food. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna go light in that regard and, and utilize all the POIs, the resupply points on the route, because there's plenty to do that. And, uh, so we, I don't know. I like I like that style of bike bikepacking because it really just simplifies it. It's less to do in the morning, uh, less cooking, less cleanup, and uh, it's just kind of kind of easy. So um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so I'm on a steel hardtail. I have so my bike's a little bit different. Like geometry wise, our bikes are oh, different. Yeah. different. So I'm like on a on a pretty like slack and super long hardtail mountain bike with, I think, 140 or 150 mil fork up front. So, like, it's definitely, this bike is designed to go designed to go downhills. Um, from what I understand, Patrick 
your bike is like a little bit more versatile. It's yeah. going to be like equally good for climbing and descending and like yeah. a little bit tighter, a little bit more nimble. And I think, I think we're already seeing that actually, like, cause there were some tight trails today where like my bike felt ginormous. Um, I was whipping. Yeah, you were whipping. I was whipping. <laughs> I have, um, a little rear rack, one of the tumbleweed rear racks mounted on the back <coughs> and I just strapped a dry bag to the top of it. So my dropper post isn't affected. And then I have a handlebar roll. And a frame bag. I'm carrying three liters of water, just like Patrick. Um, I don't have any extra. Oh, I guess I have room in my frame bag for water if I need to buy some more stuff. Um, but yeah, no stove. Um, we, although we didn't bring a stove, and we're pretty light in ter- because we're not carrying like food to cook and stuff. So we're just like eating on the go. We, we both bought brought some pretty warm gear because yeah. we kind of expected the weather to be colder it isn't it isn't cold right now what is it right now 56 56 fahrenheit right now um but i brought like my winter puffy and like my like cold weather sleeping bag um, which is pretty big oh i remember what i was gonna <laughs> okay we had a question from the fans <laughs> and they want to know because we had someone that said they were an overpacker. And uh, they wanted to know what is a luxury item that we brought. So um, I'll start uh, again. Not to me. Now, first, I will quote my quote my friend Matt Mason and say that every item is a luxury item. And I I agree with that. So, um, you know, but I I, I get the point of the question. I mean, there's kind of the bare essentials to keep you warm and, you know, hydrated and and, and those things. So my mine is definitely the chair that I'm sitting in now, the Helinox. I don't know. It's the light one. Just recently started carrying a chair. chair. I mounted to the down tube. It's always out of the way. It weighs less than a pound. And I'm so happy sitting in it right now that I just find, I think it's an old man thing. You know, it's just getting older. And I almost, I did, almost didn't bring a flask of whiskey, but um, I, I decided to bring a little flask. So I do have that as a luxury item. But I can't, I think everything else is pretty, pretty much purposeful for, for the trip other than that. I feel like I'm always a very purposeful packer because I don't bring, I rarely bring like alcohol or anything like where like flask. I feel like that's like a, I feel like that's a common luxury item among yeah. bike packers. It's an easy one. It's like yeah, small, it's small, light, yeah. packs a punch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't often do that. I think on other trips I would like pack like a cold pop for at night. Like pack, if I had a Coca-Cola right now, I'd be mm. pretty excited. Yeah. Um, so... To be honest, I think my luxury item for this trip in particular is kind of like my whole sleep system. It's just like it's overkill in every direction for really for what we need. Like we are in the the best conditions. <laughs> it's like not too hot during the day. It's just cool enough at night yeah. <laughs> so far at least. And um, I think I could have not had a tent. I probably could have brought like a slightly lighter sleeping bag and probably could have brought less layers too. Like I have long johns and... I don't think, like, I don't really think I need them. Although Patrick is wearing his. I, I like to be warm. <laughs> I'm not used to the Canada cold like you are. <laughs> no, go ahead. Why, so why don't you, uh, you have you know the route better than I do. Um, why don't you start with a breakdown of the route? 
And then we can talk about, um, yeah, sections we liked or yeah. how hard it was or whatever. So, um, yeah, the Queen's Ransom Route. John Schilling designed it, and we're pretty much just following the route exactly. So it starts, like, east of the city of Phoenix in Arizona, close, kind of close to Apache Junction, but a little bit south from there. Right away, it hops on, like, paved paths that were, like, kind of zipping between houses and, like, going through neighborhoods, just, like, paved sort of multi-use walkways, double track sort of situation. And we were on those for a pretty long time before we connected to the canal trails, which take up, like, a big chunk of the today, like, like 20 miles or something like that on canal trails, which yeah, are, like, flat. Miles. You just cruise around kind of through the city and eventually get to more outskirts, um... And then that leads into into the trails, which we kind of rode for the past few hours before camp. What did you think about the first section before the single track? Mm, good question. Well, <clears throat> there was kind of two sections. There was a first section. The way he has it routed now is literally from his front door. So I don't know if that's the way uh, it'll get published uh, in, in, in the real world. But um, the way it's routed going through all these like pretty nice neighborhoods, really good bike infrastructure. You go through a, a golf course. Um, I quite enjoyed it. It was, it was a, the weather, like we said, has just been perfect. And we were singing and whistling and, uh, yeah, we were, we were definitely excited and, uh, looking forward to the trip. Uh, then we got to the canals, which at first, I think we both found a little bit frustrating because we, you know, we talked about this and this is one of the interesting things when you come and ride a new route is that, you know, I'm coming from Texas. We don't have canals. I have no idea what this, what the rules are and the legalities. And, uh, in this one there, there was like two canals so you could ride in like in between them or on the left or the right. And there was gates and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, I think in the, in the beginning, until we really kind of got the rhythm and essentially the answer, the, what really solved the problem is you really have to follow the route closely and zoom in because what we found is that you're going to be, um, what do we call it? <laughs> Zigzagging. I can't remember jigging, getting jiggy with it. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to get jiggy with it and, you know, go to the left side or the right side of the canal. And so, you know, but once we knew that and we, we would come up to one, it, it kind of became fun. It's like, uh Oh, are we going to, is this the one that we're not going to get, get by? Um, we did come to one, uh, that, that we, <laughs> That was kind of fun that we just went. And this is when we uh, kind of figured out, but we were on the wrong side of the canal, came to a gate that we absolutely could not pass. and But there was a hole in this fence to get into the soccer field. And so Miles, Miles has good ideas. He was like, we should just go through this. And I said, that's great. And so what we did is we did a lap around the soccer fields. There was no holes in the fence anywhere else. And then uh, we had to circumnavigate around it. Uh, but really, I mean, it only, the whole thing probably put us off like maybe seven minutes or something from the, from the route. So maybe it was, <laughs> I was trying to be nice. I think it was probably like 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> uh, Okay, and then if we're talking about the first section, the first section, I would say like the first 20 miles kind of ends at this um, uh, bike park, which is 
absolutely amazing. Purpose built, uh, jump track, pump track, huge gap jumps, like X Games big in my mind. I mean, it's just like, whoa. Uh, so Miles and I, we played around on the pump tracks, and that was quite fun enough. Um, and then, yeah, hit on the single track. Uh, but before uh, we did that, at mile like 19 or 20, we stopped at a barbecue joint called uh, Steak and Stone. Steak and Stone. Steak and, oh, we, we mentioned that. But, yeah. yeah, we essentially we got the exact, exact same thing, pulled pork sandwiches with sweet potato fries for lunch, and then we both got a uh, beef, beef tri-tip sandwich to go and we just ate those and they were amazing and uh then we'll just ride in and get some breakfast in the morning okay your turn single track so it's pretty much all single track from yeah um like our late lunch to camp to our campground um so the first trail system this is kind of like up near north of apache junction now i think it's called apache wells so the first trail system that we hit was the Hawes trail systems. And that was more, it started off pretty easy, like kind of like greens and easy flowy blues. It was actually super fun at the beginning. And then we got into some harder kind of trails that we started making our climb up and over to um, the trails that are on the other side of the highway in the Usury Mountains. Yeah, so like kind of in the middle of the Hawes trail system, it got a little bit technical. And I think that was when it, kind of like the hottest point maybe of the day too. So I think we were both like kind of hit us off guard. I don't think we were ready for it because the first part of the day was pretty easy. And then and then it got easier again as we've kind of we've moved over to the usury mountains on the other side of the highway. And that's like getting pretty close to like Apache Junction proper. And um we were planning on going a little bit further to a campsite, but we had a late start, so we ended up at um, a trailhead, and there's uh, there's pit toilets and um, running water, and and we found a little... Uh, there might have even been a shower in there. I didn't know. <laughs> there might be a shower, and uh, now we have two picnic tables. We each got our own picnic table, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much today. Tell me about your experience with today. Patch. I would love to. <clears throat> I would love to tell you about my experience today. First off, riding with Miles is a pleasure. He's always happy. He's always uh, excited about everything. You know, every view is spectacular, and I, I love that. And enthusiasm is uh, it goes a long way whenever uh, whenever you're out here. Um, the I think the way you described the single track was was pretty good. It was funny, uh, Ben. We can uh, put this on the after-party episode, <laughs> but uh, there was a, uh, you know, we, we did the first part of the single track, and it was it was just, like, perfect. I was like, oh, man, today, this is, like, going to be really good. And so I, I thought it would be a good time to take um, 20 milligrams of edibles, and uh, that's when Miles said it started getting, like, hot. And a little, a pretty more technical, uh, and and uh, I think we're talking intermediate trails was like the hardest thing yeah. we rode. Um, I, man, we are here at such a great time. It just rained last week. They said it was super dusty, but it's knocked down the trails. Uh, the trails are so so nice. Um, there's rocky parts, but not like 
annoying rocky just just nice just really nice trails it's it's just beautiful desert riding the saguaro cactus um the mountains around there's beautiful mountain ranges with just a diversity of like shapes and colors i mean it's just absolutely stunning scenery the the trails are are really top notch um so yeah really really happy overall i found today challenging but not overly challenging. But it's not for any other reason than riding single track is more challenging than riding a road or gravel. You know, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot more going on, um, especially when you got cactus on either side, and you really got to control your bike and make sure that you're you got the right line. But no no crashes today, eh? No. Yeah, I felt good. So yeah, I found today challenging, but really none of it was was overly challenging. I found it challenging from my personal fitness standpoint, but overall, I absolutely enjoyed um, the total route. I enjoyed today thoroughly. Yeah, I'll give it 10 out of 10. I'm also going to award today a 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, there's like just enough like... There's, there's like a few like kind of like hard climbs, like pretty sustained climbs, and... Um, and, like, a few little short technical sections that, like, keeps – it's going to keep, like, everyone on their toes. But I would say, like, the vast majority of it is pretty, like, flowy. Um, not to say, like, you can't get, like, washed out on a corner or something and send yourself face first into a cactus. But really, it's all, like, pretty flowy and not a crazy amount of climbing. Like, um, there is a good amount, but nothing, nothing that's going to make you puke. Well, yeah. you might puke because you ate <laughs> if you ate a big breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't ever feel like puking today. I needed to stop and catch my breath at different points. Um, definitely, I had some hike a bikes in there, but I definitely rode a lot more than I, I hike a biked. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to just chill and go to sleep soon. And our so our game plan going forward. Let's talk about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're, we're thinking our plan is to go about 40 miles tomorrow. Should be just about all single track. And our sh- name of the game is just going to get up and, and get rolling because we don't got to make breakfast or anything. And uh, we want to – today, I mean, that well, that is the one thing I, that was kind of a negative is we – I don't think – I don't even think it would have been as challenging if we approached it the way we wanted to, which was tear time. We both love taking pictures. You know, there was lo- there was lots of opportunities where I probably would have stopped. I think you would have too and taken a picture, but I didn't today. And we did take plenty of pictures, but um, yeah, I would have taken more. Yeah, it was a it was a little rush. So tomorrow, no, no, we and that's we we did not bring uh, night riding equipment. But I think after after today, we did get a late start today. But um, after today, early starts all day long. What could go wrong? <laughs> All right. Night-night, everybody. Catch you on the flip side. Miles and Patrick out. Okie dokie, Miles. Uh, morning of day two. How'd you sleep last night? Last night was a pretty exciting night. Um, I didn't sleep very well. I think you slept a little bit better than me because I heard your snoring. But we set up with like semi-clear skies and some stars and it was beautiful and then partway through the night there was like a little bit of a little bit of rain and we were like okay we we're dealing with it and then it turned into some very windy conditions and 
things were blowing around. Um, my tent was barely, barely standing upright. Um, your pad deflated. <laughs> um, yeah, it was restless for sure. But we're here at uh, Wind Cave Trailhead. It's bumping. There's tons of cars here already, and it's like around 8 a.m. And uh, we're going to get cruising here shortly, I think. Cruising for a bruising. Yeah, I think it's funny that he said I slept well on a deflated mattress. But, yeah, so I got the opportunity to sleep on concrete last night, which I can now say I've done, and I don't want to do again. So one of the things we're going to be doing today is looking for a patch kit. First, we're going to look for the hole, and then we're going to look for the patch kit. And I think we've got about 26 miles till we get some food. Let's go eat. All right. Uh, Miles reporting in from uh, the AZT, the new water cache that's up on the top um, after the big climate of Picket Post. This is all, all new terrain for me. Um, I beelined it from where Patrick and I split up and got most of a good chunk of the climbing in, definitely the rideable climbing in, in daylight. And then I pushed for a few hours and rode for a little bit up until I got to the top. It's um, 8 o'clock right now, 8 p.m. So pretty good timing. Had myself a hamburger that I bought from the town before. Ate some mini donuts. Uh, I've got water here that I just need to purify for the morning, and then I'm gonna boogie on out of here. I'm tired. I'm super tired. That was a that was a big climb. It was um, definitely wasn't easy, um, and I was singing to myself the whole time. Didn't see anyone else out here, but it's a good little spot. Um, yeah, talk soon. All right, it's uh, 8.30. I've been riding for, I don't know, about half an hour. I've left the water cache filled up there this morning. Ate some mini donuts and some beef jerky for breakfast. And uh, now I'm kind of traversing through this huge canyon where the AZT goes through pickup post. It's beautiful. The sun's just kind of creeping up over the mountains now. I can see uh, parts of the city, kind of city outskirts in the distance and a whole lot of nothing the other direction. And once in a while you can see the trail like creeping up. It's, um, yeah, it's spectacular. Hard though. I've already done a fair amount of pushing this morning. Okie dokie, miles out. It's a nice night. Yeah. Okay. I love it. No. How about I just ask you questions? We'll just start with like the hard single track. Remember when the single yeah. track was, um, cause it was all like horse trails, right? It was smooth in the morning. I think we should just go back and give a quick recap. We don't have to like get, Yeah. but do you want to tell about like everything that went, ha- like what happened or are you yeah. trying to, no. are you trying to like omit some stuff? No, let's not omit stuff. I, I, don't just, I, I was anything. just thinking of highlighting the most important things. Because, and then I was trying to remember what actually happened because I don't remember. <laughs> the storm, then we had smooth single track, then we had hard single track, 
Yeah. And then it was hot. Or it wasn't hot really that day. It was kind of cold. <laughs> it was weird. That day it was um, hot and cold. Hot and then cold. Yeah. Depending on the time of day. <laughs> um, what else happened after that? We got to that gold camp. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, the gold camp was kind oh, of Oh, no, fun. the ghost town. Ghost town. It was like a Which, kind of a tourist attraction. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, when I say kind of cool, I mean literally kind of cool. Like, <laughs> if you're going by it, you might, we, we stopped and got the burgers and that was, that was good. Um, I know we had chicken sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, chicken sandwiches. Yeah. And then, um. We used the restroom. <laughs> used the restroom. And then I rode that section. I forgot that we. Yeah. We, we split, split up, up there. Yeah. I, so I rode, what was that section called? It was from, um, what was the, na- the state park called? I don't remember. Me neither. Well, we can edit that in later. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you, you went through, like, the legit route, and uh, it was black, and I, I legitimately just wasn't feeling up to it. The uh, single track from the, the day uh, really took a toll on me. Uh, the, the first five miles of single track, was so much fun. We woke up that morning and I was I was so happy. I was so happy. We yeah. started the day with a good workout. You got in a good workout on the exercise equipment. At oh the park. yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but no, it started off good. But man, that was. I mean, the, you know, I think we said to ourselves that there was no respite. You know, there was no opportunity for a break, uphill, downhill. I came off my bike, I think, three times, not completely going down, but, but um, yeah, it was just gnarly, really rough uh, single track that, you know, we saw a guy out there on a full suspension 29er, and that's kind of what you think when you're thinking about trails like that, and I mean, it, it wasn't too long, we were, but it was probably a good 10 or 12 miles. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I feel like we were about 27 miles in when we got to... Uh, that that um fake gold camp <laughs> <laughs> yeah ghost town yeah completely fake ghost town <laughs> but anyway yeah from there we split up you did so how was that hard trail how was, was the actual trail it was pretty chunky that was Here, the one i'll get to put a log on the fire throw another log on the fire Ooh, baby <laughs> So we split up near Lost Dutchman State Park by the ghost town, the tourist ghost town. And then I hopped on, you took like side roads, right? Did you ride gravel at all? Um, no, it was like, it was literally like an eight mile, uh, like ride in town on some like oh, yeah. nice, like 25 mile an hour residential roads, basically. I rode Jacob Crosscut Trail which is like, I think it's like five or six miles back in a town. And then I hopped onto some weird blue trail that was like super chunky and like super rocky into town. And then I met up with Patrick and we got Subway. (laughs) (laughs) And then we were both pretty tired from that day. So then we pretty much jumped on the opportunity to get a hotel room. Well... 
there's a couple uh, there's a couple factors here. Mm-hmm. One, my air mattress still would not inflate. So part of the reason why we split up was so that I could get into town early and start trying to repair um, the air mattress. But I, it was kind of funny. I set up underneath this tree outside of a gas station or a uh, grocery store. And there was a family on one corner of the parking lot asking for money and had their baby and stuff there. And then I was on the other corner <laughs> set up with my air mattress trying to fix it, uh, pouring water on it. And um, I'm sure it was I was quite the sight. People were probably like, what is that guy doing? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I messed with that thing for 30 minutes, like pouring water on it and could not find it. Um, and then we went to Subway and uh, you had also found out that there was a, a wind storm and a rain, mm-hmm. like rain and wind. There was like 50 mile an hour winds that night because his friend like messaged him and was like, hey, um, just FYI, stake down your tent really good tonight. So anyway, uh, we decided to get a, a hotel room partly so we could uh, find the leak in the mattress and partly so we could uh, avoid getting blown off the mountain in a windstorm and I'd be sleeping on the freaking ground. So uh, <laughs> we elected to take a hotel and honestly, I think we both thought it was the right call. What do you say, Miles? 100% the right call. 100%. And I did find the leak in my mattress and it did, uh, we did patch it. So all is well. Day three was supposed to be a big day. We were starting off about 13 miles behind where uh, we should have camped. And, uh, God, I can't remember. It was mostly like uphill. It was like kind of flat most of the day or like the first part of the day. And then it was going to go uphill for a while. Oh, and that was that nice single track. That was that fun. That was Gold Canyon. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, so we went up into Gold Canyon, and John told us that we were gonna we were gonna like that, and and we did. And I'll tell you why I liked it. It was like a roller coaster through saguaro uh, cactus. There was cactus everywhere, super rocky, um, but it was just like up and down out of I think like dry arroyo beds and creek beds and um, beautiful. Uh, I think those were the uh, Superstition Mountains all around us, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Day three? Day three. The one I was just talking about, Gold Canyon. Yeah, that was super fun. <laughs> yeah, Gold Canyon was great. <laughs> was that also where they had like, th- some of the like beelines and stuff? Yeah. Right? You were yeah. taking some gnarly stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was super fun in there. It, felt like, it just felt like we were mountain biking. Yeah, <laughs> we were. We were legit mountain biking with bike packing rigs. It was kind of <laughs> radical. It was it was way outside anything I've ever done, and it was awesome. But you were taking on some some more challenging uh, descents <laughs> with your raked out front end. <laughs> you got crazy. That's true. That crazy miles came out. <laughs> what um? That's all that. Yeah. The British Columbia single track. Yeah, it definitely helps. Oh, that's what I was reading in your uh, in your gear review today. You were talking about uh, staying local has has like caused you to kind of start 
uh, honing your like mountain biking skills yeah. and like you've been starting to push your limits and, and stuff like that, which yeah. I thought was interesting. It was definitely on, on display yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it definitely helps when you like only ride hard, slippery, rooty, steep trails in British Columbia. I'm trying to think of what else happened on that day. Well, I mean, that's where we got to, uh, oh, the golf course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we, we rode that until we got to double track, and then I threw up. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's when the throwing up started. That's when the throw up started. <laughs> that's... The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the, man, it started with uh, not eating breakfast. The breakfast at a hotel was absolutely hideous. Questionable. I, I couldn't. I couldn't stomach it. Literally. Um, Let the record show that I did eat the breakfast. Miles did, <laughs> and but he shat it out almost immediately. So I don't know if it counts, <laughs> just because mine came out the other end. <laughs> I think it's par for the course. Uh, but regardless, I was essentially putting out more calories than I was able to take in. And I, w- I was depleted. I mean, by the time we got to the golf course, at, I think we were about like 30 miles in on the yeah. day. I had no calories in my body at that point, you know? I mean, everything that I had uh, consumed, I threw up. Yeah, you were looking weak. Yeah, I was feeling weak. And tired. Yeah. So, uh, man, but can we talk about what was the name of that town? Because um, I loved it. Um, they, but didn't it say, like, my, Miner's Camp or something on... Queens Valley. That's Queens Valley? Queens Valley. Look, or Queen Valley. Queen Valley. Oh. Yep, Queen Valley. Boom. Got it. Boom. So, please Google this town, or if you ride through this route. I thought it was awesome in a weird David Lynch kind of way, like... All those people were robots or something. But yeah. It was essentially a golf course and houses around it. And every single resident was either at the restaurant, the gas station, or playing golf. Yeah. It was it was weird. The grass was so green. We were in the middle of the desert. Everyone was happy and white and well off. Yeah, nothing nothing was in place. No. It was all like out of sorts and then um yeah that's when i broke the news (laughs) did you know it was coming um i yeah because we kind of talked about it earlier you talked about potentially like cutting off earlier i think didn't you because i kept on saying oh just wait until you get some food in you remember or is that just right then yeah it might have been when we went to the convenience store first or something. I think it was right then. And then you might have mentioned it, and then I said, oh, just wait until you get some food. And then we got some food, and then it didn't change <laughs> the situation. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. What time was that? Was that subway time? No. No, what time was that? That was, um, oh, at the golf course. Yeah, at the golf course. At the golf course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then... So it does all run together. We decided to part ways. You weren't feeling so hot. You need some break from the, the, the Arizona trail. And then, so I rode 
because I know I didn't want to spend much time on my bike in the dark. I like beelined it super fast. I went into race mode to try and make use of the already like it was it was already like, probably like what one o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock. Yeah. yeah, it was two o'clock. That was part of the problem. We had three and a half hours of daylight. Yeah, and I had negative three and a half hours of <laughs> energy. <laughs> But uh, we made it to our respective destinations. Destinations. Um, I was on the t- I rode the picket post section of the Arizona Trail, um, and I at the I made it up the big climb. I forget how big it was, but it seemed big. It, so you essentially went over, up and over the biggest climb, and and what you did yesterday and today was the hardest part of of the entire route, you know, and, and that was part of, well, I think you should speak to it, but in terms of if you're looking on the map, it's further out there, it's less resupply and, uh, a lot more elevation. I mean, yeah. the two biggest climbs are on that section. Yeah. And I was looking at myself and I'm like, okay, this is where people like get in trouble. Like I'm already calorie deficient. I'm tired. Like just going further into this doesn't seem like the right call yeah and also i was slowing you down and i know you wanted to unleash the beast (laughs) the beast got a glimpse of arizona yeah today and um he liked what he saw you think you'd you'd like ever sign up for the azt (laughs) no i don't think so i'm gonna save that to when i'm a little bit older so i feel like i won't be distracted by like a text message or something (laughs) also i honestly I don't, I don't think racing makes much sense for me because of my Crohn's. Yeah. I can't pack that lightly because I got to bring some toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's not. Um, well, plus, like, yeah. I was thinking about it today. One of the things that, and and part of the reason why I'm glad that I, I, I did what I did. Um, it allowed me to today. Whenever I, I, I essentially like. I guess I should say what I did is, but I rode from that Queen Valley down to Florence, taking like this 55 mile highway. It was actually, it was quite fine. Uh, it was like 20 more, 22 miles uh, to get there, but it was all like paved and quite nice and stayed in a hotel. And uh, then this morning I went into McDonald's, loaded up my food bag. I literally shoved as much food as I could possibly fit. And I fit six uh, spicy McChicken sandwiches and six cheeseburgers from McDonald's in my Rock Guys Horton shout out. And dude, I was thinking about it and I actually, I, I'd like to get your thought on this, but like the fact that I came this way and brought you food, it's kind of like a good thing, it seems like. Cause oh, yeah. going that other way is pretty sketchy. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the best decision because I also, I got here with like really not a lot of food left. So I kind of needed food anyways. Yeah, otherwise, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have, if, like, say you weren't here right now (laughs) on this trip, and I was doing that, and I ended up here at the time I did today, like around what, was that 3 or 4? No, like 4.30. Yeah. I probably would have just kept on going to get into Florence because I would probably would have been very sick feeling if I didn't eat any food. Yeah. After already doing like 60 miles today, and he did like 73 yesterday or something crazy. 
It was hot too. It's very, those are very like exposed sections. So I feel like I was in like direct sunlight all day long for both days. So I'm just like, so like a uh, zapped feeling right now. Yeah. So I had this idea about route guides. I was thinking about it today. And instead of like doing just a rating, like one through five or whatever, mm -hmm. I, I thought about it in a couple of different ways. Like, you know, you may enjoy this route if you enjoy, you know, extreme bike packing, or it would be on a scale. Like, you know, it's like touring bike packing here, extreme bike packing here. You know, where does it fall on the elevation scale? Uh, you know, if it, uh, where does it fall on the climbing scale? Where does it fall on the resource scale? Like, but it have all these, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like have like ratings for like all these different things and you'd be able to see like quite easily, mm -hmm. um, how all these different routes stacked up because routes are so complex. Like, you know, I think, you know, I could do this route with some more fitness. Like I have the technical, I have the equipment, I have the know-how and all that stuff, but I didn't bring enough fitness to, to do this. But like today, riding back to meet up with you, I had a blast. I was having the time of my life. I stopped and took 1.5 million pictures, you know, <laughs> and I'm having the time of my life. And I, and, and like, for me, that's part of the experience that I enjoy having and it's part of what was missing on the first part of the trip for me was that I was so wiped every single day. Yeah. Like day one, day two, day three, I was putting in not a hundred percent, you know, I mean we weren't in like race mode, but I mean I was I was given it, you know, mm -hmm. and I I wasn't taking as many pictures as I wanted and and it's like you get in, we were getting in every single day at dark or after dark. And so, you know. You can't like explore camp and hang out and go on a little hike or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Like we're doing this in five days. And I almost feel like it'd be nice to have way more. Yeah. Like I think like doing this in like seven days would like allow for a lot of like exploring and stuff like yeah. you said. Because there are like the ghost town. We could have hung out there for a bit. That was funny. But I think that's kind of my point about the rating system is it's kind of like what kind of experience are you looking to have? Do you want yeah. to go and take pictures and explore or do you want to go and just like pound out the miles and see as much as you can? Mm -hmm. Today, actually, I mean, I told myself a couple times a day, I was like, slow down, you're going too fast. You know, like, just like stop, like not stop, but I just like slowed down and like really enjoyed it, uh, just soaked it in, you know? Like, and, and your experience on the other hand, uh, I mean, it's still, yeah, your, your experience sucked. Mine was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, I think it, it doesn't have to be uh, right or wrong. It's just different. And I think that's the way I think it would be cool to put routes in a different perspective. It's like, how are you wanting to, uh, what do you want to get out of it? Or how do you like to, what kind of riding do you like to do? Yeah. In the end, I think that's just like a good reminder for people to like research routes more, really. I don't think either of us really look too far into this route to, at all, really. You did a quick run through like for some points of interest and stuff and that was helpful. But like neither of us really, I feel like knew what the terrain was gonna be like. No. I didn't. 
I was trusting you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know. I guess, though, that's the thing. Like, we're not, we're from places outside of Arizona. And, like, Arizona, the Arizona Trail and, like, the conditions are pretty well known for, like, Arizona-based bikers and bike packers, probably. I feel like, because it's, like, a big deal. Yeah. Where we had, like, no idea. I know the Arizona Trail's tough. Yeah. Um, I've definitely heard that, but I, I said this year's like one of the toughest ones yet. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Whatever. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all fun. I love it. I love it all. And I'm, I think, uh, I, I enjoy adventuring and, uh, this was, this has been quite adventurous. It's not over yet. We got tomorrow, <laughs> but you know, making decisions on the fly, um, you know, figuring out reroutes or, or whatever and just kind of like living on the go. Uh, it's it's fun, you know. It's out of the comfort. Yeah. Out of the comfort zone. Speaking out of the comfort zone, that hotel I stayed in last night <laughs> across from the <laughs> penitentiary. <laughs> Ooh, it was nice. That's so funny. Oh, what else? Um, not much, really. We're now we're camped. We're right now we're camped in a little. Um, we're uh, right up above uh, an arroyo. Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. It's like pretty open, so there's like not too many pokey things trying to poke us <laughs> close by. We have our uh, little sleep systems. I've got a tent. Pat- Patrick has his bivy bag there, and we're just chilling. Really, the moon is so bright. Practically a full moon. Yeah. Stars are out. Oh, I saw, I forgot to tell you, on night one, when it was raining and shit, before all the rain started happening, yeah. um, I saw a huge ass fucking shooting star, <laughs> like a fucking beach ball size. What? <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it, man. It was so cool. Whoa. That's fun. And you know, that campsite, it was still kind of bright because we were kind of close to the city. So the fact that I saw it that well, I was like, it was huge. That's a good point. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a spaceship. Yeah, so tomorrow, uh, head back into Florence, which is the town I just came from. I know for a fact um, the riding should be pretty easy going. Uh, We got about, I'd say, six miles of double track. It's all kind of shitty. It's either really rocky or really sandy for the most part. <laughs> um, but then we get to some illegal roads <laughs> on the wrong side <laughs> of a canal that we need to talk to John about. And we're meeting up with John tomorrow, who is the route creator and mm-hmm. uh, kind of put the bug in your your ear, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've, I think I found out about it because he's involved with the Arizona Trail granted part he kind of plans that and then i heard about this ride he, they, i guess they do a ride on it every year and a bunch of people show up yeah i'm curious to learn more about that i think he was trying um we'll hear from him because i know he was sort of like keeping it on the dl because i think like too many people were signing up and then eventually you have to like at some point you have to kind of make it more than just like a people show up and yeah becomes a, like a little bit like a liability almost exactly so then um yeah we'll hear from him but i well, know it'll be interesting i'm i'm very curious to hear other how other people fare out here and you know 
I assume if you live in the area, it's it's not as as extreme. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be oh curious. Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool to hear from him. I want to hear about the trespassing signs. Yeah, and then we pretty much yeah at the end of the day, it should be all pretty straightforward tomorrow. We're kind of getting closer to the city, so I think there's gonna be there's kind of like one. I think it's what is it called, Santan? Yeah, regional park or national. Regional Santan 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 area. Yeah, <laughs> some area. We're gonna get a bit of trails in there before we kind of get into like our last canals and like roads. Back in Queens Valley, maybe. No, that was the other no. one. That's the other one. Well, Someone shooting guns. Got some people shooting guns out here in the desert. You know what I've been thinking? Texas gets a bad rap, but it's just because there's more of us but when you come into rural arizona or new mexico or something you see a lot of trump signs and yeah people guns. shooting guns like yeah. out in the desert like oh, every yeah. every camp spot is like full of like um yeah whatever we've seen shooting ranges and all kinds of stuff yeah uh, there, shells there was a shooting range pretty close to our um first campsite yeah because yeah. you could hear that all night, too. Yeah, I just think there's more Texans making more noise, but there's crazies <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Don't, don't be fooled. Yeah. Oh, man, I got chased by some gnarly dogs today. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so, shit. going up a hill, what? it was two medium-sized scrappy, <laughs> scrappy dog, like desert scrap dogs, you know? <laughs> Canyon and critters. I'm telling you, man. This was uh, oh, this no. was coming out of Florence. Yeah. And you, like a mile outside of Florence, after you pass the prison, there is a sign that says uh, "Not a through road, six more miles or whatever." And these people live two houses from the very end of the road. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I went up this hill, and these dogs surrounded me, and immediately, and I had both feet out like this. I was like, "Go!" <laughs> you go home. <laughs> you go. <laughs> Just kidding. I was, I was like yelling at him. <laughs> go. And uh, yeah, luckily, uh, that's kind of my go-to. Is I get big, I rammed right at one. Like I put yeah. my wheel right in them, and yeah. I don't, I don't back down. Like I, I go at them and I yell at them and that. And uh, but yeah, I had to, I had to turn it up to eleven for those guys because they came. You know when they attacked right at the same time on the left and the right? Yeah. You're just like, fuck! They weren't there to mess around. They wanted no. to kill. No. <laughs> when, luckily, we will not ride past them tomorrow. We will ride. So it's interesting. Um, there's this, like, road dam or something. Okay. So, like, they've, like, dammed off the water so you, people can, like, cross. Mm-hmm. And anyway, you were going to do that, and then you get onto pavement. And if you went up to the hill to the right, I mean, you can see the house. We'll see it. It's right there. The dogs will probably be, like, barking at us. But <laughs> what are they going to do? Yeah. Nothing. That's crazy. Yeah. They didn't get me, though. I usually get my If I'm, like, riding and, like, going, like, kind of fast, I'll usually get my water bottle out. And I'll squirt at them. <laughs> yeah. Not in the desert, though. No, you can't waste water. <laughs> no. I wasn't. I didn't bring enough water. I'm down to, uh, you know, I... I'm sipping on the last I have of this liter, and then I have one left. So yeah, I'm at the, I'm the same. I'm almost done my yeah one liter for yeah, the morning. I'm planning to have one liter for tomorrow. One liter to get us to McDonald's. Oh man, I'm gonna smash so many McTreats. <laughs> there might be some opportunities to like refill some water and filter it. Actually, if like we really needed to. 
I think so, we'll be fine. I think we will. It's going to be so cold in the morning. It's all—it's already getting pretty nippy. Yeah, those planes cold. look like they're about to hit each other. Whoa! Where that's, Do it. Oh, maybe that's, that's a star. That's a star. But or it was, a satellite. Maybe a it's satellite. a satellite because yeah. it's twinkling. So many planes. It's pretty fun to... Not so many right now, but it's just the oh, air. Oh, there's one right there. The airspace here is busy. Yeah, I saw... It was so sweet. When I was riding the mountain bike trails along the river, was it the Gila or the Gia? Uh, it's the Gila. <laughs> Gila? <laughs> no. Yeah. G-I-L-A? Yeah, Gila? Gila? Yeah, it's like the Gila National Forest. I don't know any of this. Yeah, I. someone had to tell me. I, um, didn't, I didn't just know it. When I was riding the trails through there, this, um, I told you. You went up to people like, yeah, I went over the Gila. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say it to anyone ever, actually, because I was embarrassed. I didn't think it was right. These uh, f- super army jets flew over me at one point, like super low, like in the mountains, and they were like, they were cruising along, and like then mili- like yeah, um, military for like sure. Jets, yeah, like jets, like fighter jets, fighter jet. Oh, that's cool. And then, um, and then after that, two. So they're in groups of two, and then there's another group of two of these slower moving. They almost look like like cargo army planes. They were slower and like, but they were flying the same route too, because um, oh. I guess there's the military base in Florence. You were saying, and then, um, and then at hell, this was the coolest thing really low to the ground, like going in the little canyon I was in, kind of in, or the valley, there was this army army helicopter, like a medic one, it had the medic symbol on the side, and he was just cruising, like doing big turns and stuff right down right down near me. He was close enough that at one point I looked up at them and waved. Because <laughs> I feel like they probably would have seen me. Maybe not. But like, I would, I feel like I would stand out and like that, that little area was just like all very, um, desert-like maybe i don't know i hope they saw me i hope they did too. maybe they listen to this podcast and they'll be like oh man that was me <laughs> i hope so too probably hardcore mountain bikers they're just up there watching the ezt yeah <laughs> like who, they, they've got watch from up there yeah. <laughs> that'd be so awesome oh man imagine imagine tracking like an endurance race with like like a drone, a drone. Or, like once they get good enough. I think it might come. I've thought about this before. Where like it just follows the first place because person. That's right. <laughs> the entire like, time. They already have a drone technology that follows you, right? Yeah. So now what is if a race director, like you have to have track leaders. What if you have your own drone too? And like track leaders rinse them out, and now you're like watching the race in real time. They'd have to. They have to improve the battery technology because yeah, current battery life on those drones suck. Oh yeah, it's, it's like crazy. Thirty minutes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like the biggest. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Think about that. It doesn't make any sense. Well, why don't they should make them solar? You know, they should. They should, Patrick. You're right. <laughs> I'm just saying. They they'll improve them. Yeah. Well, that's coming in the future. Oh, that's coming. All right. Day four. Good night. Good night. (laughs) Over and out. Hey, Miles. Hello. What do you want to talk about? The final day of the Queen's Ransom route. Let's do it. Last we left you, we were sitting in camp. Doing things, talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) What we were doing? We were talking to you. We were talking. We are on some state trust land, I believe. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, so what's the plan for today before we go back? Like the plan, like my actual plan for yeah, today? Yeah, we're about, we just ate a damn good breakfast at First Watch, <laughs> finally, after seeking out breakfast for days, trying to find a good breakfast. We found it, it was delicious, and then um, now we're in a beautiful park, which seems to be, seems to be your go-to thing. Yeah, I like parks, because there's always a bench, and you're usually not too busy and noisy, and uh, they're outside. Yeah, so we're in a bench. Um, not too far from the airport, which is, uh, after we're done this, is where Patrick's going to take me and drop me off at the old airport. And he has a three-hour flight home, and I have a 16-and-a-half, 17-hour drive home. Seems fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I've got the endurance driving side of this. <clears throat> All right, so, day five. So that night, uh, I took a bivy, and I have the Outdoor Research Helium bivy, I believe it's called. Brought my 30-degree bag. Definitely got down to freezing because when we woke up, there was frost and ice on everything, and I was soaking wet. Um, my mattress that I thought we fixed wasn't exactly fixed. Um, so halfway or different points throughout the evening, I would have to roll on my back in the bivy. I would just like roll the whole thing over and inflate my mattress and then roll back on it, uh, which is partly the reason why I was getting wet. But <laughs> I have swore off bivvies permanently after that. I mean, just just terrible. Just a terrible existence, really. It didn't look very fun when I woke up. I was up a little bit before you, and I was kind of stood there watching you like roll around in your little cocoon. Um, yeah. I, it didn't look ideal. <laughs> you have a picture of me, and I'm, like, curled up, and you can, I mean, you can see me. Like, yeah, it's just a thin, I don't know. I used to kind of like that bivy. Used it before in rain and didn't have an issue. But I had condensation. It was just soaking wet. I don't know if it was not waterproof. I, I know some of it was condensation, but I left, like, the fly thing open, the vent. Um, I don't know. I don't like it, though. That, no reason to repeat that. So I'll be on the hunt for, uh, if anybody knows of a good, here's all I need. Really good, really lightweight, ultra packable, perfect for bikepacking, and not a lot of money. Send me <laughs> send me what you got. Sounds possible. <laughs> I'll buy a used one. Maybe someone out there is like, oh, yeah, hey, but... I got one in my closet. I'd sell old Patrick. John um, did say that that area always gets a lot, like, pretty wet. Like, there is a lot of dew. Like, we had dew in the evening, remember? Before we went to bed, everything yeah. was covered in dew. So that probably... And I think I think when you're in those conditions, a bivy is just so tricky because there's no air movement inside of your cocoon because everything's just against your sleeping bag. So mm. it gets pretty tricky. I had I had a lot of, like, condensation on the inside of my tent, and it was, like, vented. Like, I even, like, used some rocks to, like, peg it out a little bit better, too. But... How, uh, how, how wet did you get? Would you say like compared? To, you five, saw my sleeping bag. Five percent wet, and you got like eighty percent wet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so definitely better though. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely better. I don't think my sleeping bag was really wet at all. Can you say what tent you were using? Is I had. That, is it worth? Oh yeah. No, I had um, just like a one-person Big Sky International tent. So it's um, it's like a freestanding one-person tent, and um, yeah, I think it weighs like just under two pounds. There's plenty of room in there, and it's, like, easy to vent out because there's, like, 
proper. Everything's, it's not like super ultra light. It looks like a nice tent, except for, yeah, except for it the door. turns into a swimming pool when you open it up. Yeah, it's a little tricky. There's some things, but I'll be publishing a review on that soon. To be announced. <laughs> Let's see what else. So we woke up pretty cold, pretty cold morning, and uh, we were a little. We, I mean, we got up and like at seven thirty and started like packing our stuff. But as anyone can probably attest, most people are just slower in the morning. It's hard to motivate yourself to. I mean, all of our gear was wet and had frost on it, and you know, it's just not not great. Um, so. Uh, we were a little bit slow, but we got rolling by what eight thirty. Yeah, probably about that. I mean, it wasn't like that slow, but no. like, but we missed. We had a goal of getting to McDonald's, which was fourteen miles away, five of which was like dirt double track, and then we had about nine miles of pavement to get to McDonald's breakfast, and we missed it by ten minutes. So I, I did went into sport mode and <laughs> tried to race ahead to get to it, but. I was, you I was, you I was, took a super slacked downhill mountain bike <laughs> <laughs> and, and time trialed it. <laughs> it. It didn't work very well. I was pretty tired. Um, and then we went to Sonic. It had some crappy breakfast, which we regretted instantly because then we noticed that there was like a, it's more of like a family, like cafe, family run cafe across the street. And then we went in there afterwards, actually, just to, just to look. And it would look delicious. <laughs> but it's called the Florence Cafe, and definitely, and and it's in Florence. That's the spot. That's the spot. We got uh, cranberry turkey sandwiches to go. They had bacon on them, and we ate those at the bottom of the Santan uh, trails, the trailhead there, and they were primo. Those yeah. were like lifesavers. So that's definitely the spot. We, and that's why I referenced breakfast list just now is because we've kind of been lamenting our, our poor <laughs> fortune with breakfast for for days now. And anyone who bike packs can attest to the importance of a good meal. Yeah. It's like what, it's really what motivates you, right? Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's the thing that you're thinking about when, when I, when I, when we were going to meet up, you know, on night four and I brought the burgers, you were probably thinking of food. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. had water. Yeah. It's, if you're not, yeah, I pretty much ride to eat food. Right. Like, that's why I love these trips because then you can, like, we've been kind of like gorging for the past like 24 hours since we got back. And I'm still hungry. I just had a big breakfast, a ginormous pancake, and some eggs and bacon. And I'm already thinking about what I'm going to eat at the airport. What do you think? What do you think you might get? <laughs> sounds good. I don't know. I might wait till Canada and get some Tim Beebs. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody what Tim Beebs are. That's, that's Justin Bieber and Tim Hortons, um, which is like a coffee, a big, well-loved coffee chain in uh, Canada. And... Uh, they collaborated on a, on some Timbits, which are like donut holes or whatever you guys call them. Yeah, donut holes. Donut holes. And then, um, yeah, they're just delicious Timbits. I just think it's so cute that Tim Justin Beeps. Bieber Tim, uh, partnered up with Tim Hortons. It's a pretty funny video. They, they like, there's like funny ads. There's a train. There's a train in Choo-choo. the background. Man, this park has it all. This park does have it all. I, this is why I pick parks. <laughs> it's fun. Um, the la- So the last day, this is day five of our, our route on the Queen's Ransom. And, or it was. It isn't today. It was mm-hmm. day five. Yeah. And it's um it's definitely the most straightforward. So pretty much we got into Florence, had breakfast, and then you're sort of zipping along on 
like canal trails and like double track beside the highway for a good portion of like really all the day. Yeah. Most of the day. Let's talk about that one section. So they're coming out of Florence. You're going to get on an interesting intersection of canals that I think we navigated quite quite easily but you just have to like that would be the the tip for this route is pay attention to to the map pretty closely because there's a i mean with the single track there's lots of trails out there um with the canals you need to be on the left or the right side there's many different canals you could be on so yeah you just have to have your have whatever device you have open and 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 paying attention but it's it's pretty straightforward in this one section coming out of florence um, he puts you on a, 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 a fast two-lane highway with no shoulder, um, and it took us a few minutes to realize that there's, like, double-track road right next to it, and you definitely want to be on that because it's a really, like, heavily trafficked, not fun to ride on road. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not, and, like, super exciting, like, riding on the double-track right beside the highway, but it's definitely a heck of a lot safer, which is really, like, the whole point and the reason why we talked we met with john last night we met up for a drink and and had some food um here in phoenix and uh got a chance to like chat with him about the route and kind of get his thoughts and he got ours and uh one of the things he was talking about he uh had his wife drop him off in florence and just spent, I don't know, he didn't say exactly, but I mean, he was like going down a canal, and there'd be a dead end. Then you go down another canal and dead end or private po- property or something. And so that's, he like explained that section. He's like, I looked and looked for a better alternative and there wasn't one, but it's, I mean, it's like four miles of like double track on the side. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah, it's not it's a big not deal. Bad. And that's, bad. that also like, and if, when we met up with him, and we'll just, we might as well talk about that now because it's pretty interesting. Sure. He's put so much, it's clear he's put so much effort into like, finding all these little routes to get through. Like, it's, he said it's pretty much like a two-year project to, like, mm. figure out this loop. Yeah. Um, and it is pretty dialed. I think the starting and end need a little bit of tweaking just because right now it's set up so it starts and ends at his house because it's, like, a group ride where people, like, they have, like, little, like, s- supply stops at people's houses and stuff. Yeah, it's a little grassroots yeah. thing that he does. So, like, and publishing this, like, publicly as a route will require, like, a little bit different of an approach. But it's it's clear. Like, it's... It's wild how much stuff he links up, like little urban pathways and the canals and then all the mountain bike trails, which is like, it's crazy how much mountain bike trails we were on, really, like single track trails. Yeah, Yeah, we were on a lot of single track, especially the first like three days was heavy single track. And then from there, it kind of tapered, right? Mm -hmm. It became more double track and and a little single track. And then last day, so after those canals and the double track, you go into the Santan Mountain Regional Park. And, uh, and that's like more of like a multi-use sort of like trail system. There's not that actually that many trail options in there, but we pretty much like do a climb, a double track, sort of single track mixed climb up. Um, I think that's the Santan trail. Yeah. And then we took dynamite down the other side, Mm -hmm. which pretty much leads you right back into whatever uh, town he lives in. Queens Valley? No. That's the other place. No, that's that where that, uh, golf course was. Well, the, it's it sort like of Mesa? near Mesa area. We keep saying Mesa. We just say Mesa because it sounds I safe. I can probably look on my... Yeah. I can just look. look. Keep I talking. Thought, um, yeah, and then that single track was fun. It was like we hit it just at the right time, and John was explaining this, that we were pretty lucky because on the weekends, the, that area would get super, super busy, especially in the mornings. Yeah, the uh, Santan single track ending on that was quite epic. And like that downhill, I, I remember specifically hoping that the downhill coming back into town, whatever town that is, 
was going to be pretty baller. Yeah. And it, it was. Yeah, it was super fun. Only had one e-bike. No, two e-bikes. Two e-bikes. You could just let, like, it was kind of like the first time, actually, in a long term, where you could really, like, let off the brakes. And yes. just, like, fly a little bit. Because it was, like, kind of wide. It was, like, wider trails. Because, like, I think horseback riders and hikers are using them as well. But it was great. And then we, what is it called? Man, I don't know. It's close to Chandler. I think it's in Chandler. Chandler yeah. or Gilbert. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's southeast of Phoenix, essentially, by about 40 minutes. I guess it's just like a community outside of those places. Yeah, it's just a small, small but little community. that's the far east side, like east of Phoenix, pretty much. Like yeah. almost on the outskirts bef- before kind of the big residential areas taper off yeah. into nothingness. Yeah. And, and then after Santan, really just links into like bike paths. And to talk a little bit about the Queen's Ransom that he does, we learned about it last night. It's pretty interesting. when he, and, and I hear that it sounds like he's pretty full, so I don't know, like, you know, if you, how it is to, like, link up with him. But just in terms of um, I like the event that he's doing where he has everybody, well, you all kind of ride, like, the canals out of town. You get about 20 miles in. And then he says, all right, if you want to go fast, see you at camp. If you want to go slow, we're going to, you know, go slow in the back and whatever. Everybody kind of goes their own pace. But then you meet up at the campsite. And then the next day, same thing. You wake up. You're like, all right, if you want to go fast, see you at camp. And if you want to go slow, you know, you can and or whatever speed you want to go. And it's, it's pretty neat because during the day you get to approach the trail any way you want to. And at night you get to hang out and talk about it, which I, I love. Yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. And it's interesting, like I, I manage the events calendar on uh, on bikepacking.com. And like there's not a lot of events that follow that. Right. Like and he's like, it's like it's explicit like this is how he wants to do it yeah it's not like just a race or it's not just a group ride because he was explaining like even like he's done events um john has done events like kurt he was used kurt ref snyder as an example and like he started the ride with like kurt which is like cool or like these other riders that you're like oh cool like nice meet you and then they're gone (laughs) and then you don't really see them ever again right and a lot of events don't even have like something at the end either like it's kind of like you're finished and then you go home Mm -hmm. um which is pretty cool and i I imagine we'll see more events like these popping up especially with like covid and stuff and people staying a little bit closer to home potentially although like i'm not a good example of that right now um yeah, I think but in your cool. defense, if anyone's going to throw shade on Miles, he hasn't traveled outside of Canada or Powell River in almost two years. This yeah. is the first time. Yeah, and he was very careful about it. I was very careful. Yeah. I think I'm the only one who wears a mask actually in America. Yeah, he might be the only one. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> At least in Arizona or Phoenix. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a yeah it's cool i wanted to uh circle back to uh to john real quick and, yeah. and kind of echo what you were saying about i was really impressed with how much he how much work he's put in and it was really fun for us to come you know miles from canada me from texas and ride a route that a, a local has built and the interesting thing is like the locals kind of know all the rules but we don't so we had an opportunity to kind of you know maybe uh find ways to improve the route to make it more obvious for people who are not familiar with, you know, this area. But John has put in like an amazing amount of work and, and really, um, yeah, I like, I like, uh, I like and appreciate everything that, that he's been doing out here. And I just learned last night that he's the, um, new AZT event director, race director, whatever his, his official title is as of two years ago. So I'm a little late to that party, but yeah. He's the man down here. He knows like every 
little bit of the trail. Um, and it's cool to see that. I think he was saying that he eliminated what, like a hundred miles, uh, not a hundred yeah. miles, a hundred miles uh, of think... pavement from the AZT. Oh yeah. Like a... in the first year, it was insane. Okay. You were talking AZT. Yeah. Sorry. I switched you... over yeah. AZT. Yeah. Like I think he said 190 miles of pavement in the first year he was the uh, race director of the AZT. He like just went out and found uh, all these routes. I think he was already pretty familiar with the route because he's ridden it so many times. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, I was, I was blown. I'm like, you did that in a year? Yeah, he's hustling. That's an 800-mile route in one year. And the cool thing is that this Queen's Ransom route hasn't changed really much at all since it started. Because when, exactly. when did he first say it? Was that 2015 or something right. he said? And, and we, that's, that's when we found out that he, he put two years of work into it. He's like, I worked on it two years before anyone ever saw it. So when it came out, it was pretty okay. Yeah. Well, now it's like, it's, it is pretty public, to be honest. It's not like a secret because it's on like trail forks. Like it's on the app. It's yeah. like a route, which is like, that's very accessible for people. Yeah. Um, so, but I think it's... Yeah, I think it's more like I think locals know about it more than anyone else. It's cool. It's um it's yeah, it's very unique and I think it's going to be super exciting to have it up as a guide at some point. Hopefully yeah. soon. No, it it definitely needs to be a, a published route. So like since it is published, I mean or public, it's on Ride with GPS, you can find it. Um it's on Trail Forks, so you can find it there. What advice should we give to people that might come out and ride it before it because you know if bikepacking.com puts it on it's going to be very well laid, laid out you're going to have a really good idea of what to expect but as it is right now you look at elevation profile you look at squigglies on a map you look at distance and and then maybe listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i don't know i think um i think you just have to understand the terrain that the tra the trails like the trails actually follow here and like give that a, a good like thinking because it goes on like the Arizona trail, which is like, it's hard and there's like some good climbing and like there's a lot of single track and it's kind of like, there's a lot of smooth stuff, but there's also some chunky stuff. So I think you just have to be prepared for that. Really beyond that, it's like logistically very simple. It's a loop that starts and ends near an airport, the, the Mesa airport, I think. Right. And it's not overly complicated, but it is challenging. I think especially for people outside of like Arizona and aren't used to like Arizona single track, which is like rocky and chunky and like hard on your body. Everything's pokey and prickly. I don't think it was the logistics didn't really like mess with us or anything. It was mostly just, um, I, I think, uh, preface that by saying play, paying close attention to your GPS in the beginning with the canals we got turned around mm. uh, a, a little bit and just confusion but again once we figured out that we just need to pay attention to the map closely and John was like zoom in to like 200 feet like mm -hmm. <laughs> and like pay attention so yeah other than that once we had that it was like pretty sh very straightforward yeah it's really it's not unlike most routes yeah. <laughs> really like yeah. there's no there's no huge like surprises it's um as long as you do your research um well i i don't know i don't know i would be a little more cautionary especially since it's in the desert paying attention to i mean like you yeah know, but we, every we, every route in the desert right fool's again, loop north again. of the city same same dangers same complications. I, I'm, I'm applying this to every day desert loop yeah, yeah yeah i'm just i think it's just worth uh mentioning Again, I mean that that article or that comment that was on like the website about uh, you know people getting in over their heads, you know. Yeah. 
and and like we went slower than we were anticipating going you yeah know? like that's the reality we had a we had a, a route picked out and and almost every single no it, no, the last day we the last day we kind of made good time right day five we made good time but every other day we were slower than we kind of thought and getting into camp later yeah 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 it is yeah and it's like this time of year too is tricky because we were thinking about this like we didn't really have a lot of daylight to work with yeah like if you were did it they do the group ride in march and doing like march or april or april would like probably give you another like hour or two of daylight um, which would be super helpful. <laughs> like, it'd be pretty nice to have another hour. Excellent point. Um, yeah, that was part of the problem. I mean, we we were getting up at 6.30 a.m. and, and getting going and uh, running out of, just running out of daylight, and we didn't bring lights because we weren't planning on riding in the dark, yeah. honestly. Like yeah. we, and, and, and we've talked about this, too. Miles and I both could have done a better job researching this route prior to coming. We're both just really busy, and we... We we looked at stuff. We we knew our POIs. We knew our distance and all you know. But we could have looked a little closer. I mean, some of the trails are on trail fork. They're rated as uh, black, so you're riding you know a full rig bike on black single track mountain bike trails. But it's not all like that. But there are portions that are like that, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a decently challenging route. And we we talked with uh, John last time. We asked him what what he felt like it should be rated, which are, is a difficult thing to do, but you know, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> uh, he said seven to eight, and I think we all kind of just agreed. That, out of ten. Yeah, seven to eight, seven, seven or eight out of ten. So we'll call it a seven and a half. <laughs> That's fair. 7.5. So it's a decently difficult route. The resupplies are there, but you have to be very smart about your resupplies, especially water. That section on day four is pretty remote out there, right, Miles? You wrote mm -hmm. that one, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't. You, can't, you definitely have to think each day and, like, maybe even a further than that in advance, like, when you get to resupply and make sure you have enough. We were lucky because, like, it wasn't that hot during the day. So we, like, weren't chugging back, like, tons of water. Like, we yeah. definitely weren't drinking enough water. But we could kind of conserve. We could and conserve not, yeah. and not, like, pay too much. Yeah. So that, was, that wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. And, like, I, I agree with that. I think, like... I think, like, considering, like, the so I just used the Fool's Loop as an example as, like, something, like, similar terrain, but, like, more, slightly more gravel bike friendly. And it's, like, it's hard in, like, a lot of the same ways. Um, and I think that is probably, like, a, a 6 or a 7 out of 10 difficulty on the website. Um, well, I think what we said last night was that you should describe the Queen's Ransom route as as a training ride for the AZT and, and many people use it as a training ground for the AZT and some of the trails are the same. So yeah, when you're thinking of like difficulty level, that's, that's the kind of uh, riding that you should expect to be doing. Yeah. yeah. And just know what kind of, wh where you're at. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I'd, I'd also like, I, uh, I got in a little bit over my head. And, um, so, you know, if you're smart about it, we, 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 we had some challenges, like little stuff that came up, I guess, but um, there's resupplies along, along the route. I was able to, like, get off the route and into a town and get back on the route, like, easily. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, um, there's options, you know? Totally. I think before it gets real, before it gets actually remote and hard, there's a lot of options to, like, sneak, sneak off the route for yeah. a bit if you need a break and then meet up. 
And then you can kind of like gauge whether you're ready to do like the Arizona trail section. Right. From picket post to Kelvin. Which is essentially what I did. So I did mm-hmm. like day one, you know, whatever. And like right before we got to the AZT, I'm like, I went down to Florence and then backtracked and met you at, at camps. I think we probably already talked about all that. but Yeah. But it's good. It is good to know because really up I'll, until I'll publish what I did. I did about I did like 190 miles out of the like 230 and um, turned out to be good. I needed that like essentially a rest day, you know, quote unquote. I was still on my bike, but like it it, it like let me do that five, day five, 55 miles, you know, pretty good time. Mm-hmm. Feeling feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I, I had a great time, man. I I love an adventure. You know, I mean, I'm not too much of a, st- I love to do the route. I really um, am a little bit bummed that I was able to like do the climb and, and the epic descent and all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm equally like glad that I didn't because I, I wasn't there to where like we, I would have got out there and be like, miles, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just, there's no reason for me to push it, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I feel good about what I did and, um, yeah, I, I had a great time, man. Absolutely yeah. love the the weather and the adventure. Uh, it's a beautiful. Oh, I wanted to talk about um, uh, on uh, day four where we camped that South Butt. Um, that's what it's called, the South Butt. Yeah, uh, just really pretty that area coming out of uh, on the morning of day five. Butte, uh, isn't it Butte? No, is it pronounced Butt? I, I think it's B U T T. Maybe it's Butte. I I don't know. Crested. Butte. I have dyslexia, crested so like butte. sometimes when I see stuff, it isn't like, butte spelled? Isn't crested butte spelled the same way? Yeah, but I thought it. Was, I thought it was spelled b u t t, but it's probably not. It's probably butte, and I just like am being dumb. <laughs> South <laughs> South Butte. <laughs> uh, who knows? Oh. Can- a Canadian Texan walking to the forest, walking to the desert. <laughs> so, Where'd you saguaro? <laughs> anyway, it's it's a really pretty section, and uh, the Santan single track was was really a great way to finish it out too. Mm-hmm. All right, any gear, anything else you want to say about the trail? Actually, don't let me just cut no. cut you off. I don't think so. I think we've covered. Yeah, it. I feel good. I think that's good. Yeah. What about um, any gear you brought that you didn't need, or something you wish you had brought? I wish I would have brought more toilet paper and a little thing of like soap. Because I ran a toilet, I have Crohn's, and then when I was eating, I was eating a lot of funky food on this trip, and like those Sonic breakfast burritos definitely didn't help. And um, I ran out of toilet paper on day four, I think, or maybe in the morning of day five or something. And then um, it would have been nice to have a little thing of soap as well, because I... I don't have we talked about me shitting my chamois yet? Oh yeah, we gotta talk about our butts. So on the the day so pick a post to Kelvin after I do the big climb up to the AZT the new AZT water cache in the morning, I like woke up pretty early and I, and then I was still like quite tired, so I was like, oh, I'll try and go back to sleep. I actually put on a Bikes or Death podcast and mm-hmm. then I fell asleep again. Put and you right I, to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then I woke up and I needed to go to the washroom, but I didn't. And that's the first rule of Crohn's life is that <laughs> you should probably just go to the washroom. And I didn't. And then I fell asleep and I woke up again and I knew I needed to get to the washroom in three seconds. And it takes probably 10 seconds to get to my tent. <laughs> so I had a little, um, I had a, this actually, I don't know why I had my chamois on still. 
I don't know when this was in the, it might have been in the night sometime. Either way, I had a little poopy in my chamois, um, which was embarrassing, but it's a good thing I was the only one up on top of that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and there was running water, so I actually cleaned it up there. But then for the rest of the trip, I just wore my like synthetic boxer briefs, which are like really I only brought to like sleep in. So they were kind of loose fitting and like they weren't ideal on my butt. I think because also my stomach was so bad and I was like going to the washroom so often and like wiping my butt so often and using like wet wipes on my butt so often that like everything was like not very happy, which is funny because it's like, well, it's kind of funny because it's, (laughs) because it's, it's just like such a simple thing, but like, oh, I see what you mean. And then like things just all of a sudden like kind of get out of control. It Um, It is those little things. It's like death by a thousand cuts, you know? Oh yeah. It's like, oh. I pooped in my chamois. Now I can't really wear my chamois before I clean it because that would probably be gross. So you wanted, you would have liked to have had soap to clean your chamois and... Oh, yeah, because if I had some and soap... And clean your butt. Yeah, and... You clean everything. Yeah, you could clean all sorts of different things. Yeah, I, I, um, I've been dealing with, like, uh, uh, chafing lately, mm-hmm. which is, like, a new thing. And so I brought... What did we bring? Lotrimen? We went to, like, Walgreens and picked up... Yeah, like a hydrocortisone cream. Yeah. We were both using that, and I think it worked pretty well. Yeah. I didn't have any issues. Yeah, that no, stuff's good. No saddle sores or anything, no chafing, but I did get anally penetrated by my saddle <laughs> on one of the single tracks. This is worth mentioning because it's never, I've ridden my bike my whole life, and this is a once in a lifetime opportunity here. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> never say never. Yeah, anyway, I was just like, it's one of those like steep descents that goes like right back up and there was a big rock at the bottom and i don't know if it's in a shadow or i'm just a dummy but i square hit that rock and lunged forward on my bike and then whenever i like my momentum like shot me back with like you know the shocks like compress and like shoot you back that front of my saddle went right in my butt and <laughs> miles almost saw a grown man cry <laughs> it was, i was fairly concerned i've never seen um i haven't seen it yeah like an adult human in so much like obvious like discomfort in a really long time like let alone patrick so it was it was super i was laughing but also like also making sure i was laughing and crying at the same time it It was was pretty pretty, it's funny it was it's awkward i was like oh oh like i've never had that before isn't it at least the one benefit and we were thinking about this earlier is that he rides a cambium brooks cambium Mm -hmm. saddle so the natural rubber is probably one of the safer things that could enter your anus yes. while riding. So A pro for Brooks Cambium Saddles, really. I'm going <laughs> to reach out for safe, a sponsorship. Safe for the butthole. Safe for the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start lubing up the front a little bit of that way. <laughs> yeah, always, a little safer entry. Always dip the nose of your saddle in Vaseline <laughs> before you ride. What if Brooks like, sent it with like one little vat of <laughs> Vaseline? <laughs> <laughs> yep, so that's our butt stories. Yeah. Yeah. And my butthole was a little sore for the rest of the trip, but I'll, I'm fine. Thanks for your prayers. <laughs> uh, favorite part of the trip? Um, definitely Arizona Trail, pick a post to Kelvin. It was so good. And I, Is that I, the downhill? That's the big climb and also... Uh, like a meandering downhill. Okay. Yeah, that whole Arizona Trail section is just unbelievable. It was so crazy. Man. Um, Thanks for making me regret my life It was the best thing I've ever done in my my life. (laughs) Why? (laughs) (laughs) Don't be me, folks. (laughs) Do picket posts. What was your favorite? favorite My favorite? Uh, 
man, what? That hotel, what was it called? Best <laughs> <laughs> <Plus> Western? <laughs> Damn, that thing was nice. What about Gold Canyon trails? You like those. We were having a lot oh, of fun yeah. in there. Yeah, Gold Canyon Canyon was sweet. Um, I really liked, uh, you know, that, that double track when we got into that double track on day three. All that double, like, that's home for me. That's, like, what I'm used to is riding double track or gravel roads. Um, yeah, I feel like I could do that, like, all day long. And um, so I was, I was like, quite at home and, and happy there. The single track stuff, I was just, like, I don't know. I was just getting beat up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. I totally rocked it. <laughs> Like so hard, <laughs> we're endurance athletes. Yeah, I uh, I can't think of anything that I I didn't wear or I didn't use. I had a couple extra like snacks left over, but I think that I don't always. You know, it's like I don't want to like be depleted. I don't want to be on empty coming in exactly. So I think I pretty much used everything. I brought a titanium cup that I was gonna like use for product shots for bikes for death, and I never like took it out and took pictures of it so i carried that stupid thing around the whole time <laughs> <laughs> but other than that man i'm i'm happy i i enjoyed the trip i love the route uh i love the the santan single track i that's some of the coolest single track and it's only seven miles so it's it's just a fun way to end the route oh but i will say rock guys mr fusion saddle bag uh thing excellent yeah. you know and and Miles had a well. Then I'll let you say what you had. But that having I, it's the first time I use it. And, and Greg and Rock guys say pride themselves on purpose built bike packing bags for single track. They test it there in Pisgah, Arizona, uh, Pisgah, <laughs> uh, North Carolina. And um, yeah, it's just it fucking. We rock the shit out of our bikes. I mean, we really, that's that's about as gnarly, well, maybe a little gnarlier, but I mean, it's pretty gnarly, you mm -hmm. know, on, on fully, full rigs, kitted out, and it's so nice to not have a saddlebag that's like bouncing around, sliding back and forth. I really enjoyed that. I just felt like the whole bike was just one unit. Everything was just tight, and I liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I used a tumbleweed T-Rack mounted like on an angle so then i could mount a dry bag on top of that and it's kind of snuck underneath my dropper post and that works really well it's kind of when i have to carry like a little bit more gear than what a like a dropper post compatible bag will allow and then i usually use this little rack and a dry bag setup and if i find it um super easy to load unpack it's in, like the most really it's a stable setup as you can get and it has like some some little bosses on the side of it too, so I could mount like extra water or some other stuff, um, which I probably I probably would have done if it was any hotter, just to carry some either more food or more water, because um, we only carried three liters yeah. each about, yeah. and like that was that was good, but if it got hotter during the days, yeah, it would have been tricky. Yeah, it was kind of a little close, but we were we were okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dropper post. I think that's a that's a tip for this trail, and I think your setup is is probably the best setup for. The, I don't know if that bike was the best bike for the trail, but um, having a dropper post and having the rack with the bag because you know, for anyone you know, if you don't know, you can't put a saddle bag on a dropper post because it's not going to raise back up and can't 
You can put little ones. You just can't you put little heavy ones. ones. Yeah, you, you the, can put some. Rock, dr- Rock Guys has a gondola, and yeah. there's some other ones out I, there. J Packs. I have a J Packs one that's pretty big, actually. Okay. They work. Some drop posts are better than others. Right. So like, there's some drop posts that just like won't push it up, and they're kind of like slowly squinging their way up. Yeah. So do I, your own homework, but a dropper yeah. post on this trail would, wouldn't you agree, would be pretty handy? Oh yeah, I would probably take. I would almost take like a dropper post over a front fork in most situations, to be wow. honest. Yeah. I would rather have like plus size tires and a right. dropper post than a, um, than front suspension and no dropper post. I think that was part of my challenge with the kind of the awkwardness of, of my bike and not being able to new for some of the trails was was the lack of dropper post. It was just I found it getting in the way quite often, which yeah. is uncommon. I don't I don't face that kind of terrain in Texas and a lot of a lot of places that I've I've ridden. So Yeah. Yeah. It's hot. Hey, I'm sweating. I'm like baking in the sun right now. Can I go to Canada now? <laughs> Can I go back to Texas? <laughs> I can't wait to drive. Yeah, man. I think, I don't know. Are we done? I think so. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Our <laughs> TED Talk. <laughs> this has been a Canadian and a Texan go to Arizona bikepacking. Thank you for listening. Podcast. Okie dokie pokey. Thank you everybody for tuning in to today's episode. I thoroughly enjoyed the trip. I enjoyed the process of figuring out as we went. Like I said on the podcast, I I love a good adventure. So even when things go wrong, or I often say when things go wrong, that's when the adventure really begins, right? So it's fun in a way to uh, just have these challenges, these things that come up that may be unexpected. Um, in this case, I was just not cut out to do the whole route and um, had to make some moves and, and figure it out on the fly. And yeah, Miles and I, we worked together very well. We just you sat down, looked at the maps, like boom, boom, boom. This is what we're going to do. Knock it out, knock it out. And we both had our, our plans and uh, we did it. And it all kind of went off without a hitch. Uh, I mean, aside the fact that I didn't didn't do the full route, but I mean, If you go looking for adventure, don't be surprised when you find it. And we had a great adventure. So I can't recommend that route enough. Definitely head over to bikepacking.com or check our show show notes or bikesordeath.com and and just search for the Queen's Ransom route. And a big shout out to John Schillings for putting together a banger route and not getting us too lost out there in the desert. Actually, didn't get us lost at all. Um, He did a great job. The route was wonderful, and I'm happy to see it up uh, as a published route so more people can go and enjoy it. I did notice, though, that um, while I was on bikepacking.com, there is a lot of vacant space on that map for Texas. They've already um, said that they're going to put up the East Texas Showdown route on on the website, and uh, so we're working on getting that up there, but I would sure love to see some more Texas routes on bikepacking.com. It's a big old state. It's got a lot of private land, but there's a big canvas there for people to go out and paint with their bike tires. All right, well, that is it for today's episode. Next time on the Bikes for Death podcast, I have Nickel Potter, who is the person who took the picture of the lady in the Dodge Ram in Arkansas that passed a group of cyclists and then just moments later uh, rolled her vehicle and the the picture broke out of the cycling industry. 
I saw it on Reddit. It was all over the news. Uh, and I had to get Nickel on to kind of hear the story behind the picture. Uh, we had a great chat. So I'm looking forward to you checking that one out. And one other thing of note, we have, a, I think, a couple extra muggles in the web store from Amanda Panda. Uh, these are really freaking sweet. I think the two left are both the Stein uh, style, which is kind of like a big beer mug that you would imagine getting, you know, back in, I don't know, the 1800s. If you went into a saloon, they hand you a big old Stein and you walk around, maybe like in Germany, you know, something like that. But I'm telling you, these, these things are nice. And I almost uh, kept one for myself, but uh, those are on the web store. We have some Vole straps and some new hats that just got delivered today. So we'll be working to get those up on the web store in the next week or so. Um, so yeah, if you want to help support the Bikes for Death podcast and buy some swag, that would be great because I put money into merchandise to sell it for a profit so I can keep making podcasts. So if you want to check that out, head over to bikesfordeath.com, put something in your cart, and make my day and your day. All right, that's it. Now don't forget to go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Oh, death. Okay.